Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the Traveling Principal Podcast. My name is Joe Clossy and I am the Traveling Principal. Today we're going to get into part four of creating a new school where I'm getting into curriculum. I'm going to dive deep because I want to develop a pitch for the school that I can give to my board. I also have a meeting with high up in my authorizing district. He is of a, along the lines of a deputy superintendent, good guy. I have another meeting, which is now turned into the monthly meeting with the superintendent who wants to talk all things new school. So I need a pitch. Uh, I have typed out several pages of pedagogy. I have academies, which we'll reveal in this episode as well. I have ideas. Quick recap on the Traveling Principal podcast so far. We've been approached by a new school, uh, about a new school, began down the road of doing so, have informed enough people now where we've made waves and it's not looked at fondly by some that I wish it was. If you've listened to the first few episodes, you've learned one of our pathways and we're calling it the Farm to Table Academy. The Farm to Table Academy includes themes based on the following concept. The Agriculture Department farms 10 acres of land, which we've learned is um, accessible from where we're going to put the new school on the campus. Harvests the food sustainably. Um, now, digression number one, and we're, we're just in the intro. I'm recently vegan, um, and the value I have found to be tremendous. With what I have going on, it makes sense. The logic is simple. I've watched documentaries upon documentaries, read, listened to many folks tell me about the benefits, and I agree now. It's tough, and around these parts, I don't have much to go on, but the thought still hits me. What if we went vegan at the school too? What are the benefits to something like that? Would this make sense? Maybe some of you were listening are like, yo, when is this vegan stuff going to end? I don't know. I bet I could get companies like Patagonia involved now, being that we're trying to be sustainable. What better way than grow vegan options in agriculture? I mean, let's also kind of uh, throw in there, we're not going to be processing animals on campus. Okay. I just can't do that, man. Then the culinary department orders, prepares, creates rotating menus and cooks and bakes the food that we grow. In comes the hospitality management department where they serve, bus, charge, and responsibly compost remains to assist in regrowth. Money would go back into the school system because of the sales and perhaps on occasion we could cater events and host even due to our facilities. So here's what I also came up with regarding my other academies. Remember in the last episode, I said I needed a loop in construction and my existing pathways at ACE. So here's what I came up with. Academy number two. I'm like right now kind of 50-50 on the name, but whatever. The Maker Academy. Here we learn to build tiny homes from the ground up. They are designed by the architects in said department. Engineers are given challenges to ensure green, sustainable solutions. Um, 
that could help to solve challenges based on the location, cost, efficiency, and style. The construction students will learn to build the entire structure in the department, and our hopes are to sell this product annually. I'm thinking that in order for a student to be able to take place in this academy, they are to satisfy prerequisite courses in ninth and 10th grade, and we could use this to guide students through the pathways. Curriculum is starting to resemble a clothesline, ladies and gentlemen, yet vertically hanging below every main unit title hanging from the line are the subunit lessons that all play a part in satisfying a major project-based learning approach determined by the academy. So I'm making some waves with regards to, to moving in that direction there with curriculum, what curriculum will look like. So Academy number two, the Maker Academy. Um, we're, we're going tiny homes, man. I've seen some gnarly stuff, uh, and I feel like that would be really awesome. And again, I'm going back to generating the income, right? So I don't know. There, there's, there's, this tiny home thing can go in so many different directions, I have to say. So let's, let's just not get our hopes too high. Uh, I don't want to get too crazy. Academy number three. And again, I'm not tied to this name, but for now, we're rolling with it. The Entertainment Academy. Here, we will annually pick a production. Sets designed and built in where overlapping projects are found within the construction department. Websites and social media platforms will promote the production. Once a cast has auditioned and been selected, that will be all sent out there. Someone needs to direct. People will work every aspect of behind-the-scenes production in a venue prepared and run. Annually, it will be the hopes of the Entertainment Academy to awe-inspire audiences with art shows, musical performances, and a production, all of which generate an environment for arts and humanities to thrive. Okay? Common theme here. Perhaps generate income within each pathway. Definitely. Everyone loves money, man. If I could figure out a way to do so by using it for good purposes on the campus, perhaps we'd be into something here. I have no idea where that's going to go, but I don't know of another school that regularly generates income like this. It would be like your athletics department, I suppose, right? You charge everybody to run into the games and you got your, your money to for new uniforms or whatever it is that you got going on for field needs. Uh, I have no idea. So there you have it, my three academies. So I prepare this pitch and I practice on my Better Leaders, Better Schools network. I'm a part of the mastermind class, part of the mastermind program. For those of you who don't know, Daniel Bauer is doing some amazing things in education uh, he's the brains behind the Mastermind program. He runs the Better Leaders, Better Schools network, and I am lucky to be a part of this. That week, I was on the hot seat in my class, which meant I had an opening to bounce off my colleagues in the class what I was doing and what my pitch was. Now, weekly, that that could be so cool. I mean, it, it could be so different. It, it, some people have 
issues with staffing. Some people have issues with curriculum. Some people just need to vent. In my case, in this um, mastermind session that I was attending, uh, I was going to give my pitch. So the folks in my class were so cool. Uh, they gave me advice on what they thought, such as that was not 30 seconds. And I laughed about it for days afterwards because they were so right. It was like five minutes. I just wrote it all out, man. It was the English teacher in me to just kind of type and keep going. I need visuals and a storyboard and more visuals. And I was on to something, uh, but it needed a lot of work. So I spent some time on the concept of using time to guide students. I was keen on student selection. I wanted that to be the driving force. So I started with a 12th grader and worked backwards, right? To graduate, they needed to meet the requirements. So I kept the requirements the same and just, I guess I'm finding a new way to reach them based on choice, right? The menu. If an IBCP, an International Baccalaureate Career Program diploma, requires a major culminating project where students are to show competence in a pathway, uh, they are solving a problem of the sorts. They're answering a question, what part of their academy are they playing in the Maker Academy? If this dictates what they're in and they are in the architecture pathway department they have to play a part in the drafting of their tiny home the design must meet specifications that are unique to a location the climate uh, and must be sustainable and so therefore they're going to have to collaborate with an engineering student come up with a solution sustainable solution and their plan must be defended and pass inspection. In addition to taking those classes, IB demands that other coursework be completed. Taking these courses are essential. When and how the courses are taken will vary. So for example, if that student takes IB Environmental Systems and Societies one year and IB Anthropology the second year, that student will be responsible for completing each course within the year they register for it. Taking the course is essential, right? That student may realize that in order to know the specifics of that location, they're going to have to study it. They're going to have to learn about the people there and the culture. They're going to have to find out what's important to sustainable survival in that community and how the design can play a factor here. This is heavy stuff. A, a step further is a student will have to defend their decision to a panel and this could take a while. The process of having a design drawn and then completed takes a while. 11th grade and 12th grade would require English language arts. And therefore, that student would register for the course at the beginning of the year, but satisfy the unit requirements when they chose to throughout the semester, not every day in class like traditionally. So yeah, that's right, not every day, but for a set amount of time 
organized by terms, semesters, divided in part by weeks and days for clarity and accumulation and record-keeping only. Perhaps the English teacher has a unit of study on their menu that revolves around research and inquiry into Mexican poetry. And your location for your tiny home is in the same area of some of those poets. The students can go to the room when the teacher designates they cover that topic uh, and sit in that seminar. The student would complete the task at hand, submit the completed work electronically somehow, problem number four, submitting work to satisfy this crazy system, and having teachers be able to keep track of it. However, let's recap some gnarly findings here. Uh, I need to break down curriculum into small parts, look at it more granularly, like my old principal used to say to me, Joe, she'd say, it's got to be granular. Uh, I love that lady. She was awesome. What is smaller than elements, which are the basis of most things, or everything rather. So why not use that theory when breaking down curriculum, right? Elements. Uh, so I come up with five of them, and they're really cool as heck. Here they are, right? Elements. We're talking about how we're organizing curriculum, how curriculum will be created, mapped, and even perhaps selected. I don't know. It's starting to seem like this will be how kids can select it from a menu, right? So core element, element number one, which is when teachers need to teach, right? So whatever content we're talking about. Second element, a skill element which is when students learn a true life skill, which is attached to knowing, let's say the core, for example. So we go, go back to the English example. And if we're talking about Mexican poetry in a town that revolves around where, you know, where our tiny home is supposed to be built in, we can delve into the poet's life, the author's life, find out what the settings are like, etc. Um, but we're also going to have to learn how to research first, right? So that is a skill element, how to research. The core information will be the actual information the kids acquire based on, you know, the skill that they're implementing. So let's get into the third element, a lab element. This is like a science lab, but for all classes and subjects. It's application of information, right? That's what a lab is. So... Why do you ask, have we never had a lab for any other subject? I don't, I don't know, but we should have. And so now we're going to try to see if that works. So an, another one here, this is where we're going to start doing some out of the box thinking, right? So my educators, my, my school leaders that are listening, check this out. A social and emotional wellness element, right? Element number four, S-E-W which is when we evaluate ourselves and learn to interact with ourself, our school community, and the world around us, right? Nowhere else does anything like this at all. And I know my counselor is going to love it. She's going to appreciate it and probably hate the amount of work that it's going to mean, but hopefully love it more. Um, why Why do we not have that, right? We're, we're screaming in schools for some sort of how can you help the holistic learner how can you identify needs for these kids before it's too late? How can you, you know, how can a school save the world basically, right? It's all, it's all our fault. Uh, so 
this may be really a pretty interesting way to address that. You know, let that soak in for a minute, a social and emotional wellness element. And finally, a CTE element. The CTE elements, right, career and technical education elements, I'm thinking of, are going to drive instruction. They are the design and draft the tiny home that is located in Oaxaca, Mexico, let's say, in which your task is to sustainably create a tiny home that will stand the test of time in that environment pull water from the local river while aiding in the battle to keep the river clean and flowing for many years to come elements man i'm stuck on them for some reason maybe a curriculum will look like this english one fall semester right that would be freshman year this usually includes a poetry unit short story unit literary term unit informational writing creative writing units, and four novels. All can be their own unit. This means each of those can be broken down and taught through the elements. Now, I'm not asking for a teacher to rewrite their stuff. I just want them to reorganize it, dude. You know, like clean your room. Everything collects dust. Everything needs reorganizing. They rebuilt Yankee Stadium, didn't they? I mean, the house that Ruth built, Ruth built isn't even there anymore. So let's call a spade a spade. Everything changes. I don't even watch baseball anymore. I really don't. Um, teaching direct instruction on punctuation is a core element. Reading sentences to someone else with different punctuation to determine the impact that it has on them definitely makes somebody remember what to use uh, when punctuating correctly and why it all ties together. This would be a lab element for a writing unit. The student may have to go... To another educator, however, such as our counselor, to satisfy a social-emotional wellness element for this unit, which revolves around keeping a journal and learning to reflect on yourself honestly. However, all of this will lead towards a bigger picture, which is creating something in the makerspace class and writing accurate steps towards instructing someone else to do the same. This CTE element is guided by a construction educator in this case, and yet all core teachers will help to play a part in this because students will need to satisfy many elements under the CTE one for course completion. I'm stuck here, honestly. <laughs> Problem number five. I'm really stuck in clearly explaining this part. I feel like I'm about 70% there, but that 30% is like on steroids and has a camera in the outfield. And that 30 feels way bigger than it is. Um, but it's there, man. It's it's there. I, I can, it can. I know it. I just can't really explain it. Obviously, if if you're re-listening to the podcast for clarity, don't. Um, just let it roll out. Maybe maybe we'll iron it out as we go. But I got enough for my meeting with the deputy superintendent. Right. So he comes in, sees the school, but immediately upon getting here, starts laying down the law. He says that we can't have the thought upon number of students in the school. Research showed that a high school with 650 students is most advantageous to scheduling and cost. What more would you need to go on when looking for a perfect size? Joe, he says, maybe a smaller number, like 450 from your current charter. Stick with that. Or where are you now? 250. Stay there. The vibe wasn't good right out of the gate. He asked, what about sports? He asked, where'd I get my money from since 
they weren't going to give us any PS since we just renewed our charter. Why would I think about doing anything different? He thought the location was too close to another one of our school sites. And he brought up that the new school that the district is building, an all-comprehensive site, huge, same old story, like they did to us five years ago when they opened a new school for the kids on the richer side of town. But that didn't shut us down. We actually grew. But the vibe was bad. Um, I asked if the guy wanted to see the design, but he wouldn't even get past the logistics. He saw numbers and times, and it was different. If he didn't get it, I felt like who would? You know, I got nervous. I thought that this stunk. I thought that I stunk. Perhaps I do. Uh, The meeting ended. My AP was there at the end of it. He had a positive attitude because he always does. He had a refreshing take on some positives, but I didn't. Uh, I went home. I was pretty beaten down. I called the superintendent, who's the driving force behind this um, process here, and he said exactly what I needed him to. He made me realize why I got the response I got and was surprised that I thought this would go positively. Uh, I'm showing a new school concept to the competition, which they won't be able to hold a candle to at all. And all I do would kind of compete with everything they have going on, and I'd do it all without their money, without their help. And we'll solidify our placement in this county uh, as a charter school here, the first traditional charter school, and, and we would be here forever. Why would they want that? That's not about their business. That's about kids, right? And so we're, we're talking about two huge things here. Business, the business of education, and kids, which are, are the driving force. So I have that monthly meeting with the founding superintendent coming up. Uh, and I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm back a little bit rejuvenated. Thank goodness I spoke to him that evening. Otherwise, I was thinking about canning this and stopping. Um, I, I mean, uh, it was a pretty gnarly meeting, not one that I was hoping would go the way that it went. Because the one person I thought I had, or I could at least continue to bounce pedagogical ideas off of, that I thought were way out there, I'm now realizing I can't. So my team just got a little smaller, but that's okay. We're, we're, we're still moving right along. We did a lot in this episode. We came up with the academies. We're starting to talk about what curriculum looks like. We're starting to talk about how we have no friends again. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time that I have for you today, folks. Please like and subscribe to my podcast, The Traveling Principal, where We're creating a new school and talking through this entire process. Remember, I am your one-stop shop for all your school reform needs. Please stop and see me at thetravelingprincipal.com. See you next time, folks, as we learn to fight another day because we're building a new school and no one seems to like this idea at all. Good times. Thanks for listening, you guys. Have a good one.